Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright, and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This episode is called Keroto Iotato Toto, or It's in Our Blood. It was written by Manawatu Standard reporter Maxine Jacobs, who joins me now. Hi, Maxine. Kia ora. What is this story about? Uh, it's about a journey that a woman takes from a young age, leading into how she's going to get her moko and finding her identity. And for people who might not know, a moko is... Uh, a moko korowai is a tattoo that a woman gets on her chin. Traditionally, she gets it when she hits puberty and becomes uh, somebody who can bring life into the tribe. But something that has been lost over many years of colonisation and has been resurging quite quite significantly, especially amongst young Māori women. And uh, that's what Norwine received. And so you'll hear all about how she went from a woman without one to a woman with one and how that's changed her life. This story has some extra features to it. There's a lot of te in the story. Um, there are some translations and some music that are quite significant. Tell us about those. So the translations throughout the story, we wanted to stay as, as close to our te reo Māori as we could, so you can hover over those, uh, those words in the story, which will come up with the English translations. And a lot of the music that you'll hear as well is from Norwine's daughters. Norwine Te Awe Awe Mohi is the subject of this story, and they did uh, a lot of waiata in the marae as she was getting her, her moko wai done, so it was really quite stunning. Why is this important? This is an important story to you. Why is that? Uh, Norwine and I share quite a lot of similar features, especially in the way we present to the world. Um, for myself, when we were invited, the idea of getting to see a light-skinned Māori woman, uh, such as myself, receiving her mukokowai, feeling so confident about it, was something that I wanted to explore um, to see if maybe you know I might be strong enough one day to get one myself and represent my, my whānau. Thank you, Maxine. And here is Maxine reading her story, Keroto Iotato Toto. A halo lamp shines a bright white light across the face of a wahine as she lies on her back in the middle of the dark ancestral house, Tirangi Marie. As the name suggests, it's a peaceful place. Fano surround the woman, eyes glued to the bone, uhi, or chisel, tap, tap, tapping across taut skin. In the back of the room, an uncle strums an acoustic guitar, guiding the ancient and modern waiata being sung by the crowd. Without the halo, it would be dark inside. The charter power box outside has cut out and there's no electricity. A tohu, perhaps, assigned the marae in Rangiotu, and its Rangitane or Manawatu people are returning to the days of their tipuna. It's taken Norwine Te Awe Awe Mohi 42 years to get here. The path was laid by the kuya sitting beside her. Their chins are already marked carrying the legacy and patterns of the past. Visual journalist Warwick Smith and I are also here, after an invitation to attend the very private event with other community members. For me, a young Kaitahu woman still learning about my own identity, the moment is deeply personal as it is for Te Awe Awe Mohi. Two wahine Māori with different experiences 
connecting through the traditional practice of moko kauai. Norwine Te Awe Awe Mohi walks confidently towards the bench in the centre of the Farenui. All eyes are on her face, fair skin bare of any markings. She stops and talks to people as she goes by, barely noticing her hair is being plaited by her oldest daughter, Areta. Te Awe Awe Mohi embraces her tamariki and husband before laying down, her face and life about to change forever. I'm seated at the back of Te Rangi Marie. Te Awe Awe Mohi has been preparing for this moment for many years. She's at peace as she waits for the marking to begin. You need to be settled when you come for a moko kauai, hear me te Peti says. A tohunga tamoko is a tattoo expert, although Hemi wouldn't call himself that. He says his wife, Takaria Tepeti, is his balance. She sits next to Te Awe Awe Mohi to wipe away the blood and keep it safe to be buried later. Hemi will not carry out his specialised work without Takaria. They form two parts of the triangle of wairua, or spirituality, with Wahine who received their tamoko, he says. There's been no mock-up of what the moko kauai will look like. Te Awe Awe Mohi has given herself over to Te Piti and to the process. Reclaiming by right what is yours, but not feeling like it's yours to have, especially as a light-skinned kaitahu wahine, is a difficult barrier to break down. You build the wall yourself. A lot of it has got to do with the way you think others will perceive you, but it's in my blood. Being Māori is in my blood. It's been difficult to accept. I've struggled to feel like I belong when I don't look like anyone or have any knowledge about my culture. I'm proud of my whakapapa, but I am whakamā, shy, about a lack of connection with my whānau, hapu, iwi and tipuna. Norwine to Awe Awe Mohi is also fair-skinned, but she has always known who she is. Watching someone who looks like me be entirely themselves gives me hope. We are connected in our journey to understand our identities and express them. I knew I wasn't like everyone else, Te Awe Awe Mohi says. I didn't look Māori to other people, but when you talked to me, you knew. She's a fierce wahine toa. Her mana extends out like a warm, strong breeze pulling you in. Being the daughter of the chairman of Rangitane or Manawatu, Wuramu Kingi Te Awe Awe, comes with certain roles that she needs to uphold, and she's up for the challenge. Her whānau grew up a few doors down from the marae. Alongside other mukapuna, she did odd jobs around the whare, following kuya commands, soaking up her culture by osmosis. Back in the late 80s, you didn't hear anything about Māori, she says. Nothing was taught. The only time you knew about local history was what you learned from your grandparents. That's how I knew I was Māori, from those stories. She didn't realise the importance of what her whānau were connecting her to at the time, but it came to a head when, at age nine, she was asked to do the kāranga for her classmates 
during a school visit to Te Rangi Marie. I remember thinking at the time, hmm, this is me. I should actually know all about this, Te Awi Awi Mohi says. That's when the spark took hold, where I knew I wanted more. The crowd at the Whare falls quiet as Hemi Tepeti tells the story of how Mata Ora was gifted tamoko to bring to the living realm. Mata Ora, a man, and Niwareka, a tūrehu, or spirit, lived together in Te Ao Tūroa. One day in a rage, Mata Ora struck Niwareka in the face. She fled back to her home in Rarohinga, where domestic violence was unheard of. But Mata Ora became lonely and followed Niwareka. Instead, he found Uetonga, her father. Most men who have daughters don't take nicely to men who beat up their daughters, says Tepeti. He gave him a hiding at first, then tapped his face so he'd never forget the mistake he made to his daughter. Let it be a physical thing for you. Every time you look in the mirror, that's what you see. As the wahine of the spirit world nursed Mataora back to health, he realised the importance of women, the care and the balance they bring to life. Uetonga acknowledged the change in Mataora and gifted him the skill of tamoko, but not the healing or the stories that it carries. He gave those gifts to his daughter. As Sepieti lets the wairua guide his kowai design, his wife Takaria takes hold of the cloth, ready to wipe away the blood, and Noine's breathing relaxes. The scene is set. His chisel, ready. Hemi recites a karakia. The first tap begins. Hi, I'm Carol Hirschfeld, the head of video and audio at Stuff. If you're enjoying our Long Reads podcast, how about contributing to the Stuff Supporter Program? You can contribute any amount you choose, and you can do it just once, or monthly, or annually. Direct support from people like you helps us produce the kind of journalism you're listening to right now. Go to stuff.co.nz forward slash support. Te Awi Awi Mohi remembers hearing the story of how her great-grandmother had tried to take her grandmother to Ōtaki to get her muka kowai when she was 16. She refused. She said it wasn't the right time or place, says Te Awi Awi Mohi. That kind of stuck with me because I was always fascinated about it. Those were past traditions and those would change. When Te Awi Awi Mohi had her first pepe, the aunties descended. Your children need to grow up with the reo, they told her. By 2000, the resurgence of te reo Māori was well and truly underway, and starting off the lives of her tamariki with their language was a necessity. Every day she took her children to Te Papa Māori or Manawatu, learning te reo Māori alongside them. Her admiring eyes were drawn to a fire. Auntie, who had a mukokowai. 
My journey and transition from a mainstream world started then, she says. I started feeling and tracing out what that looked like and thinking, wow, I can't wait to get mine. In 2020, as she sat underneath a photo of her grandmother at a hui, she made the decision to wear the taonga. Traditionally, women wear the markings passed down by their tipuna, showing their whakapapa and carrying the mana of their ancestors. But to choose one muko over another would be to choose one side of herself, Te Awi Awi Mohi says. She asked Te Pieti, her uncle, to place a new muko kowai on her chin. Blind to what it would look like, Te Awi Awi Mohi put her faith into Pieti to determine its design. The strums of the guitar are almost drowned out by the waiata filling up to Rangimarie. Listening to the songs fills me up too. Tepeti says the singers are setting the wairua, giving Te Awe Awe Mohi the atmosphere she needs to push through the pain of the uhi and settle herself. Their waiata allows her wairua to create a bridge to Rarohinga with Hemi and Takarea. If they stop or someone speaks, she will be drawn back to Mataora's plane. With eyes closed, Te Awe Awe Mohi is in a different world. Te Rangi Marie, built as a church, has transported her to another realm. We are supporting her journey. Rhythmically tapping, Te Pieti carves a ruru, a pork, into her chin. He can't always see where he's going. Wairua guides his chisel. Like Te Awe Awe Mohi, he yields to the process. The ruru is a sacred bird for wahine, Te Pieti says. It carries the healing in the mātauranga reo, that will sound when Te Awe Awe Mohi performs the karanga. It is worn by our tipuna because the reo they speak were the words of truth, Te Pieti says. The three of them are tapped into the same wairua. With his headlamp and glasses on, Te Pieti breaks the skin. His wife wipes away the blood. Te Pieti has sanded each piece of bone he uses at the tip of the uhi to precision. He chose the bone of the albatross for its connection to Rarohinga as the bird that flew from that place into ours. He straps the bone to a wooden stick with a fishing line to ensure that it doesn't soak up any ink. In less than an hour, the moko kowai is complete. In a moment, the whare changes from a symphony of voices to silence. Unmoving, everyone's eyes are locked on the face below the halo. Te Pieti drops his hands. Te Awe Awe Mohi opens her eyes for the first time. She is remade. As she rises, the tears begin to fall. Those in the room silently weep with her, including me. 
proud and feeling connected to her tipuna, Te Awe Awe Mohi has transformed before us. I hadn't stepped up or down, she says, but I had stepped into this new space. Embracing her whānau, her husband, her children, she is a vision. Unable to speak, I am engulfed in the emotion of the moment. The taonga of the Moko Kauai has always been there. Te Awe Awe Mohi has seen it under her skin, and now she presents it to the world. I feel like I'm me, she says. I look into the mirror and I feel like I'm normal. In the weeks leading up to before I got it, I didn't look right in the mirror. Now, everywhere I go, I will be represented. Mukokowai was a normalised practice before Pākehā arrived en masse in the 1800s. It was the Christian faith that fought to remove the etchings from wahine Māori faces. They were unsuccessful. Tamoko on Tāne declined significantly, but kowai markings remained steadfast with wahine. In a 2019 study of Tamoko histories and identities by Michaela Naropaki Teresa Hart, she describes how Tamoko was nearly taken from Māori, but the Amukapuna have reclaimed the taonga. It has been fueled by the revitalization of Tereo Māori in the 80s, which has carried through to today, resurrecting other traditional practices that were commonplace before Pākehā. For Tipuna, says Hart, Moko is a birthright that was normal and expected. But the stresses of colonisation built up barriers for tangata whenua, leading to expectations about who can receive the markings. Many feel they are not worthy of tāmoko, Hart writes. Quote, to them I say, you were always worthy, and you always will be. To mark your identity is to mark yourself with something that can never be taken away from you. I have found in my discussions during this study that many believe you must be of service to your iwi to receive tāmoko. To them, I say, it is already a service to proudly wear a tāmoko, because many of our ancestors were told they could not. Tapiati has been battling to keep up with the countless moko kowai he has been asked to perform in recent years. The wahine know in their hearts it's the right time to bring out what's always been there under their skin, he says. They feel the calling to moko. It's important to be settled in your heart and with your whānau when you take that journey, says Tepiti. As he sands the albatross bone in preparation for building his next uhi, he tells me that before Europeans arrived, Māori girls were receiving their moko as soon as they started puberty to signify they could bring life to the tribe. All Māori women would carry moko from that time on, he says. As Tepiti speaks to me, I reflect on my own whakapapa. I didn't grow up at the marae. Relationships are an important part of being Māori, but I don't know many of my own cousins. Distance from my hapu, te reo Māori, and my understanding of our whakapapa 
makes me feel uncomfortable about even considering wearing a mukokowai before I can show that I have great knowledge of myself and my tipuna. But most of all, is my skin. Te Aweawe Mohi has always felt Māori, even though she's fair-skinned. She walks boldly in Te Ao Māori. With my light skin, I feel I'm not Māori enough to stand tall in that space. I turn to Te Do you think that's something we struggle to accept? Us light skins? I ask. He laughs at me. I never knew you were until you brought it up, he says. That can be a cultural identity issue for those people who are fair and feel like they shouldn't have it. Māori are the worst for putting up barriers to stop themselves receiving the taonga, he says. It's something he's heard over and over. The checklists Māori make for themselves before they can take on the moko. But they don't exist. By having whakapapa, you are enough. It's got nothing to do with how much Māori you speak, or how much Māori you think you are, or what anyone else says, Te says. That taonga was given to you. No one can change the blood that flows through your veins. Introducing Stuff's latest podcast, Once a Panther. We were asked by the community, what are you going to do about dawn raids? Why don't we raid the ministers? This is what's going to happen if you continue dawn raiding us in our area. We'll come out to you. We're all decked out in our panther gears. Prepared to get arrested. Prepared to fight. Once a Panther can be found at all the usual places and on stuff.co.nz forward slash once a panther. Made with funding from New Zealand on air. Tepeti received his mata order in 1995. He marked his wife, Takarea, in 2001. She carries the symbols of her grandmother. It was the most natural thing for her to do once she understood what the wishes of her kuia were. The idea of earning your moko didn't exist to her, Takarea says. It was an honour to wear the taonga. There was none of, you've got to have the reo, you've got to have this or that. Because it's already in me. It's in the blood that I carry. I'm carrying my grandmother. Takarea has light skin mokopona. Her son is lighter than me, she says. But she wants them to take on tamoko. It's about continuing the pride of the hapu and the iwi. It's their taonga to carry on to the next generation. And they're already lining up for korohimi to tap the uhi when their time comes. Tamoko is there to be admired, but sometimes it's difficult to look at it without feeling like you're being invasive to the wearer. Linda Waimari Nikora, Mohiroa, and Nahuia Te Awe Kotuku collected the experiences of Moko Kowai and Pukanohi wearers, researching how their transformations had affected their daily lives. The wearer must find a way to integrate their new look their new being in the world, along with the assumptions, expectations, 
and reactions they receive from others, say the researchers. Rua describes five phases of obtaining moko. The desire, preparation, obtaining the moko, experiencing others' reactions, and developing coping strategies. Many Pākehā who see moko kowai and approach the wera do so because they're curious. Rua notes that many people want to learn about the markings, but those experiences can be uncomfortable and negative. This stems from a lack of understanding. These interactions happen in public spaces where people stare, either in awe or in horror. Often, the wearers forget wearing moko is not part of many New Zealanders' everyday life and are surprised by the sudden line of questioning. This includes family. Wearers develop strategies, either by educating the questioner or moving on, Rua writes. However, the world for moko wearers is improving. The researchers' study found younger generations were more accepting of moko than their older relatives. As pride in moko increases, and more Māori receive their markings, this acceptance will also increase, Rua writes. When Te Aweawe Mohi looks in the mirror, she sees herself as she should be. Her chin used to be blurry, like something was missing. She's finally whole, now the moko is etched into her chin. But she knew there would be challenges. Before, looking at her, people would not realise she had whakapapa Māori. Any little bit of privilege I had prior to having a moko had completely gone, she says. As a person who looks Pākehā, I understand the privilege she's talking about. But it also means people don't hide their racism from me. Without realising I'm Māori, people feel comfortable with me and will share their true views about Māori. They're always shocked when I call them out. Now, as Te Aweawe Mohi continues her life in Palmerston North with the Mukokowai, she's noticed the changes in perception others have towards her. There's arrogance in the way some Pākehā interact with her, she says. A superiority complex comes out of them. Sometimes they're unable to hide their shock and disgust. In a storm, she locked eyes with an older man, the lower half of her face hidden behind a shelf. He had kind eyes that shifted to horror when her mukokowai was revealed. I just think, you poor person, you're the one missing out on the blessing, not me, she says. Anyone Māori would look at me and they would hold my face. They could see the beauty in it. I could see the beauty in it. I'm just so blessed to have been able to receive it. New Zealand has a long way to go before moko will be truly accepted, she says. But Māori have always known who they are. Pākehā tried to eradicate the practice, but through efforts of komatua over years of battling for their rights, it's become a taonga many have reclaimed. Standing in Tamanawa, Palmerston North's museum, 
Te awiawi mohi is surrounded by photographs of her tipuna wearing their moko. A little girl runs up to her while we're filming and asks what she's doing. They've never met before, but they're speaking te reo Māori together. The girl isn't afraid of the chin etchings. She recognises them. The reaction of the young girl compared to the elderly man is stark, but it's encouraging. Every day, moko kauai, mata'ora and tamoko are becoming more accepted and welcomed in modern Aotearoa. Watching Norwine Te Aweawe Mohi receive her moko kauai has given me the courage to consider wearing a moko kauai for myself, Fano, tipuna, and mokopuna one day in the future. But it's a personal journey. Maybe after I've broken down the barriers about my own identity, it will happen. After all, it's a taonga for wahine Māori to carry. No jetboxes needed. That was Keroto Iotato Toto. It's in our blood on the long read from Stuff, written and read by Maxine Jacobs, edited by Carmen Padahi, and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was mixed by Sam Scannell. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening.